Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. When I was a teenager, young people were, were small children. And, and, and then when I was in my uh, teens, younger people were uh, teenagers. And, and, and now I'm in my mid-30s and I realized that what seems young is mid-20s, but let me tell you something. We have some of the most capable people in their mid-20s right now serving at Activate Church, and they are doing a great job. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, some of you are looking at me and saying, well, you're young. Well, you wait till I preach this message tonight at tonight's service, and then suddenly I get older. So it just depends on who you're actually speaking to. But it kind of freaks me out sometimes when I see uh, the, uh, the, the birth date. It's not like I don't know how old people are, but when I see their birth date, the year that they were born in, it kind of freaks me out. So you can have someone in their 20s, you know, and they were born in the late 1990s. And then it just kind of makes me think, wow, that's incredible. Me, I was born in 1981. I am an 80s uh, uh, child. I grew up in the 80s. I felt some support already. Isn't that nice? You know, we, we, we preach in church all the time. I said 80s and you got excited about that. So, so, but whatever works. Okay, so fine. Um, but, but I was born in, in the 80s and I grew up with some of the best movies and television programs uh, going around. And I want to tell you the truth, right? Uh, m- one of the movies that I love was Back to the Future. Who's, who's, who loves Back to the Future? What a great, what a great movie. Um, and uh, and uh, I, I'll tell you another one that I watched. I love watching MacGyver. Um, and, and, and MacGyver was one of my favorite shows. I'll tell you the truth about this. I thought that he was amazing until someone bought me the box set of season one and I watched it recently and thought that is just rubbish, right? But, but come on, who builds a hot air balloon out of tree sap and, 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 and you know, uh, rags, you know, MacGyver, he's, he's, and duct tape. I've always duct tape, you know? Uh, but that's but that's what MacGyver did. In fact, I'll tell you the truth about this. I remember when I was young and I was growing up and, and my parents would say, we're going on a holiday. And I would say to them, do they have MacGyver there? Because I didn't want to miss out on the next episode. So I would throw away a holiday to watch that hour show and episode. There were so many good TV shows. I'll tell you one that I was not really meant to watch, but sometimes could get a sneak peek was the A-Team. Did anybody see the A-Team? Yes, the A-Team, right? What a great show. Again, uh, I saw some episodes recently and I thought rubbish, but anyway. Uh, but it was a great TV show. In fact, I've got a picture up here of the A-Team. This is the A-Team from the 80s. And uh, I didn't know anybody's name, but Mr. T. Uh, because he would always say, ah, oh, pity the fool who, who, who comes against him or whatever it is. And, and so I would, I would watch this show and thought that that was a great TV show. But did you know that they brought out a new one? They brought out a new one, right? So this is a little bit old school. Let's go to the next one and see. This is the new school A team, right? And, and so if you uh, uh, haven't seen this movie, it's a fantastic film, unless you're opposed to violence, in which case I never recommended it. But if you don't care, then it's a great film to watch, right? So um, I don't know if you're a little bit old school or new school, but I know on a Sunday morning in church, we have a little bit of everybody, right? So if we can go to the next slide. I have mixed it up a little bit here. So we've got some of the old school and we've got new school. So can I just take a little vote this morning? Who would say that they're old school A-team? Yeah. few people. 
What about new school A-team? All right, now this is really, really important. Hands up, two hands up if you just don't care. It just <laughs> don't care. Yeah, yeah. I thought to myself, no one cares, you, you, you know? Um, and, and, and it hasn't made one bit of difference to your life, right? But, but, you know, one of the things about the A-team is that they used to always say this thing. They say, I love it when a plan comes together. And I think that our God is exactly the same. I bet he has that conversation with Jesus and the Holy Spirit all the time. Things are just always working out for him, aren't they? Because he knows how to make all things work together. So he loves it when he has a plan that comes together. He loves it when he has a church that comes together around his plan. And I want to speak to you this morning on a subject, make it greater. Make it greater. So I'm going to pray. We're going to get into it. God, thank you for this morning. Please speak to us. I pray that we have open hearts and minds to hear uh, your voice today. Above all other voices, God, may we listen and lean into you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to go ahead and define uh, a very important word for you this morning. It's the word church. Uh, the word church is an important one. If you don't get that, you're going to miss everything that I speak about this morning. But um, the, the, the church, the word church was first used by Jesus. And initially, and you've got to know this, the church was never really considered to be a building. In fact, this might be new information to you this morning, but up until 313 AD, uh, Christianity was illegal and Emperor Constantine legalized Christianity. And suddenly the Roman Empire, they started building buildings. They called them basilias, right? And that is the Latin word that they used for a building where people would gather together to worship God. But for the first 300 years, uh, they weren't able uh, to own any properties. They weren't able to own buildings because it was illegal. And so after that, when they were translating the Bible into German, they used a word, the word is called Kirsch. And Kirsch means at the house of the Lord. And that word means a physical location and a place. And it kind of confuses people a little bit because now when we say the word church, we think what we really mean is a building. But if you look at the original language, and many of you would already know this, it's a Greek word. It's called ecclesia, and it means the purposeful gathering of God's people. The purposeful gathering of God's people. Now, I share that little expression and understanding of what the word church means for a very important reason. There is a problem when the church doesn't realize they are the church. That's a big problem. I mean, if we're supposed to be the church and we're confused, what hope does anyone else have? 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You are the body of Christ, and individually, you are members of it. So guess what? I am the church, and you are the church, and together we are the church. And this is so important to explain because it's easy to get the wrong idea about what the church really does and who they are. And so if you want to get technical, and I do this morning... When we say we're going to church, I know what we mean. We're talking about a building, and I say it with my kids all the time. We're off to church, but actually, we are the church. 
And I want to make sure that everyone's got the right idea about what the church is and what the church does, because a lot of people have the idea that the church is a building. Here's another wrong idea. The church exists. And I'm, I'm talking specifically today to Christians. Now, if you're not a Christian, I'm so glad that you would wake up on a Sunday morning to be here. Uh, but I'm speaking really specifically to Christians, okay? So this is the idea a lot of Christians get is that the church is there to serve me. The church exists to serve me. Now, it's a little bit of a challenge with that because you're the church. So you're part of that. So what you can't do is say the church, whoever they are out there somewhere, they exist to serve me. No, because in actual fact, you're part of the church. We are the church. And guess who we exist to serve? We exist to serve God and we exist to serve the world. Now, that's a very important thing to think about. I'm telling you right now, church has changed so much from when I was a kid. I remember being a kid growing up, going to church, and um, I don't think they talk about half the stuff we even think about or consider is important today. For example, I think the most amount of effort that went into overhead projections was the, the printout of the clear plastic you know, whatever it was, and there was a man that was, had the very important job, or a woman who had the very important job of placing the right words up, and you could always see their fingers on the overhead projection, and, and, and sometimes, you know, the wrong words would go up, and then that's whipped away, and then the right one's put up, or, or the right song, or the right, you know, and, and, and so, you know, that's how people used to do church, right? But now, oh boy, it's so much different, isn't it? So now, do you know what we talk about? We'll talk about the temperature of the room. Now, I didn't really want to say that because guess what you're all thinking about now, but, but we talk about the temperature of the room. Uh, we talk about the atmosphere that's at church. We talk about the quality of the coffee. It's almost imperative today in a church to have good coffee, you know. And, and, but we, we talk about these things. Sometimes we talk about lighting. Sometimes we talk about sound. You know, how was the sound this morning, you know. And we do all of that to eliminate distractions so that when somebody comes to church, we do genuinely want them to have the best experience possible. It's not rocket science. We just want people to come back. We just figure if, it's, if, if you enjoyed it, you'll come back. So we put all of that energy and that effort into it. And even though we put all of that energy and that effort into it, and you are a recipient of some of the hard work and the energy that goes into it, sometimes it's really easy to get confused because when you get served that well, it turns Christians into customers. When you get served really well, it turns Christians into customers. I went to a conference a number of years ago, and I paid for the conference. I had registered, and I might tell you, had network seating, which makes me really super important. And flights, accommodation, and then when I turned up to the conference, they didn't have me registered. And so I've spent the time and the energy and the effort to be there. 
and now the conference is beginning and I'm waiting and I had to leave where I was to go to a tent where all the unregistered people were but that wasn't me I was registered I had to line up behind a bunch of people that never bought tickets and were scrambling at the last minute trying to sort their stuff out but not me I had my ticket they had messed this whole situation up and when I finally got to be there and they're looking at me and they say to me we don't have you registered I looked at them and I'm telling you sometimes you think that I'm patient and calm right it's only because other people are around that might recognize me and I think to myself, I'm going to have to look at these people again, or they might know who I am. So I'm trying to be cool, but actually I'm like, why can't you get your act together? And I'm kind of getting a little bit frustrated, right, that they're not sorting it out. Now I'm a Christian, and I'm a pastor, and I'm about five seconds away from turning into a customer. Because sometimes you forget who you're supposed to be. And you forget what you're supposed to do. And even though they'd made a mistake, that doesn't alleviate me of all of my responsibilities to be a Christian. I'm part of the church. The person that's serving me is part of the church. And they're probably doing it for free. And they're serving as a volunteer. And and now I'm about to turn into a customer and tell them what's up simply because there was a computer glitch or a problem and we kind of figured it out in the end but sometimes it's easy to forget that that you're a Christian and you end up turning into a customer do you know the phrase the customer is always right do you know who came up with that you think you probably thought it was McDonald's maybe some of you it actually came up in 1909 by Harry Gordon Selfridge, who owned a department store in London. And the idea of the customer is always right works like this. If you come here, we will serve you so well. And the customer is always right. You'll be sure to get the best possible service in our store. You know why? You're never wrong. You're always right. And if you're always right, then we're always wrong. And if that's the case, you can have it your way. Have whatever you want, how you want, when you want, why you want. You get all of that. Guess what I've learned about customers? Customers don't grow. But they have potential. Potential is the capacity to develop into something. Now, a customer has potential... But unless they're serving, they're not growing because service develops potential. Please listen to this. Service develops potential because there are things you'll get from serving that you can't get from watching. If you're always the customer, you don't have to learn anything. You don't have to deal with situations beyond your control. You don't have to dig deep and find that godly character when someone's in your face and is unhappy. You just, as a customer, you just get it your way, how you want, when you want, but customers don't grow. Maybe that's some of the reasons why Christians don't grow because they're too busy being customers instead of being servants. Do you understand that God wants to do something through you? Do you know how he does it? Serving. Because while you're on the outside, he's not doing anything through you. 
if you're just telling other people how to do what they are supposed to do. God is not interested in your skill set. He qualifies the cold. He actually, listen, God doesn't actually need your skills, but He's trying to develop something in you. And while you're busy telling God, you're late to promote me, get your act together, please, Jesus. You need to promote me at work. You need to promote me ahead of that person. Why did they get promoted instead of me? God's busy trying to wait for you to become a servant so you know how to serve people. And when you know how to serve people, then He'll begin to promote you. Because guess what? If you want to lead anyone or lead anything, you need something called leadership capital. And if people don't think that you're there to help them, they're not going to follow you anyway. So it's only when you learn to serve people properly that you should be promoted in the kingdom of heaven because people trust that you're in it not for yourself but for them servers see a situation and servers instinctively make it greater customers tell someone else how to make it greater but servers they make it greater themselves So I have three children, many of you know this, and I genuinely think that what I'm about to tell you could be, this could happen, it could be a picture of our future, I hope not. If I was to walk into my house and all three children were watching television, something that interested them, and there could literally be a fire, like an actual fire, in the corner of the room. And I would say, guys, there is a fire in the corner of the room. And I genuinely think the two out of three kids would probably answer, well, I didn't put it there. (laughs) And they would keep watching TV. (laughs) And then I would say to them, Okay, fair enough, but the room is filling with smoke. And probably two out of three would say, we'll get him to do it. And I would say, but the curtains are on fire and this room is about to come down. In other words, I'd say, look, you may have not started the fire, but this is your house. And when it's your house, don't you care about what's going on inside of it? I know you didn't start it. Maybe you didn't put it there, but surely you care enough at least to save yourselves and and get out. So you can't always delegate jobs to everyone else. Can you imagine if I did this in my home? Can you imagine if I said, Sarah, you're in charge of operations. You know what that means? Bin night. So when the bins need to be taken out, I say, that's your job. And she would say, we're about to have a problem, you know. (laughs) That's what she would say to me. We're we're about to have a problem. But by the way, does anybody have that person in their house, right? And you all do. But you have that person in the house. And when they come to the bin and they open it, and it is so full, you seriously can't fit another item in. Unless you compact it deeper and you stand up and provided it doesn't spring back, you're like, it can take my rubbish. And so you put another item in it. You can only do that so far. 
And then before the lining of the bag tears, and, but who cares? That's someone else's job, right? Someone in operations. And, and so what about, does anybody have a person where it starts to dome? And you, have you walked along and seen the rubbish in your own house dome? And you've gone to put something there and thought, it's okay. And it rolls off and you're like, all right, I got to do this now. And then it's only when the rubbish rolls off that you actually decide it's worth taking out. Do, do you know, if you have that person in your house right now and they're sitting next to you, just do that, right? Don't point them out. See, I'm seeing elbow, elbow, elbow. I see it. I know. Because no one wants to take the rubbish out, Right. Everyone's looking for it to be someone else's job, aren't they? But you can't keep delegating stuff forever. I mean, eventually someone needs to take responsibility. And when you begin to take responsibility, what happens is God begins to do something in you, all right? I go ahead and I call this your GGDP, God's Growth Development Plan. Don't avoid God's Growth Development Plan by avoiding every situation in which He can make you grow. I want to read a scripture to you. It's out of Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. They, that's right. They don't have the same function, but so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. There is something you need to know about God's church. He distributes his grace so there are no superstars. He distributes his grace so that there are no superstars. But you've got to be sober-minded about what you do at the same time. You need to think clearly about what your gifts and your talents are. How did God make you? There are so many things that I am not good at. I don't have to be. I don't have to be good at everything. I've just got to be good at a couple of things that belong to me, but I don't have to do everything. For example, I should never lead you in worship. And many of you know this. If you stood within a five foot perimeter of me, then you probably know this, okay? But who cares? Thank God I don't lead you. I don't lead you in worship. We have more qualified people than me to do that. I'm just a senior pastor. Thank God I don't have to lead worship. There are people more equipped and better at that than me. I wonder how God has designed you because your design reveals your destiny. There are things about you that have been placed in you, experiences and upbringing and just skill sets, you know? All my kids, they've got different skill sets. They've all been brought up in the same house, but they're wired differently. And all of those things contribute towards helping to reveal to you what you're supposed to do with your time on planet earth and if you have a hard time trying to figure that out genuine plug we run growth track to help you figure that out 
Do you know what today is? Today is week three of Growth Track, where we work out how you've been designed and what your spiritual gifts are. And if you haven't registered for that, you can actually do that today. So if you're looking for an hour to kill after church and you don't have lunch plans, come see us. We'll feed you for free and teach you all about this stuff because we think it's genuinely that important to do it. Your design reveals your destiny. Here's something Jesus said, Matthew 23, 11. He said, the greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest among you will be your servant. That kind of makes sense to me. I remember when God started my development plan when he started deepening me. So just even in this church alone, I, I came to this church, you know, 10 years ago. And the first thing I said is, I will clean the toilets in this place. But they already had people that did that. But I was happy because I didn't care. You know what? Did I feel called to do that? I don't know anyone that feels called to do that. I just knew that I had arms and I could do it. I can walk in there and I can make it clean and I can make sure that other people are served well. I'm not called to do it. Who cares? I can do it, so I will do it. That's always been my attitude. If I can, I will. So then they said, listen, would you be our host team person? I'm like, host team person, that is where I shine. Let me at people. Let me talk to people. And I thought I shined, but I ended up getting into too many long conversations and not greeting the other people that are walking. You know, that's what you, you know how that's supposed to work? You know, so, so you need people that are friendly on the door, but not too friendly because then they have a deep conversation. And then meanwhile, no one's greeting the people. It's like you just got their back to them, right? But, but that's what I love. Do you know why? Because I love people. So I said, let me do something with people. And, and, and so I was on the host team. And then they said, hey, listen, could you, uh, could you be a host team captain? I said, well, I can. I've never done anything like that before. But yeah, let me add it. So I became a host team captain. And then they said, hey, listen, would you be able to look after new Christians and all of our guests? I said, well, I've never done anything like that before, but I can. So I think I will do that. And they said, great. And then a little bit further down the track, I thought, oh, you know what? I can run a small group, so I will run a small group. And then they said, could you quit your job and work full time at the church? I said, I can quit my job. So I did quit my job and I worked at the church. And then they said, listen, we know you brought you on to be pastoral ministries, but if you could just be the executive pastor at Activate Church, that'd be really great. I said, well, I've never done anything like that before, but I can do that. So I will do that. So he became executive pastor, right? Guess what? You can see where it's going, right? Yeah, okay. So then um, they said to me eventually, hey, listen, could you be the senior pastor of the church? I said, well, I've never done anything like that before, but I can do that in, in Jesus' name, I think. So I will do that, right? So he became the senior pastor. And then some of the people in our movement, they said, hey, listen, do you reckon that you could lead the district that looks after 12 churches that activate, uh, sorry, not from Activate Church and look after 12 churches? I said, well, I've never done anything like that before, but I think I can do that. So I will do that. So then I signed up for that. And then they said, wow, you've been running the district for five minutes. So could you please be... So could you please be the regional leader and oversee a couple of districts? I said, well, I've never done anything like that before, but I can do that, so I will do that. You know, the funny thing is, we can, we can delete this later on. I'm not even, I, I actually haven't even been officially ordained in our movement yet, right? And it's in process and, it, and it's happening, right? I promise you, don't leave, okay? So I'm... <laughs> One day I will turn legit. I'm going to turn legit one day, okay? I promise you. I promise you, okay? But we'll cut that out of the podcast, right? But the point is, the point is, right? 
I went to Bible college and everything, right? Um, the point is, is that when you keep making yourself available for God, He does things in you. I know that when I was offering to clean the toilets, I couldn't look after a region, but you know, it took 10 years and God just kept developing. I just, I started God's growth development plan because I kept on saying, I think I can, so I will. So, so guess what? Half the stuff I signed up for, I didn't necessarily feel called to do, but I said, if I can help, I will help. And I want to do it. And we have a church full of people that can help and do help. I think of people like Lani McDonald, who was our VMA of the year last year, who probably wasn't called by God to do half the stuff that she was doing, but she had a heart for God's church. So she just said, I'm going to sign up. Do, do you know when I started to activate church, I, I know, and, and I don't mean this to be offensive to anybody, so if I do, just email Sarah and... <laughs> because she'll probably handle it better. But, but you know, when, when, I signed, when I signed up to the church, when I first came here, I didn't, I didn't give a customary like 12 months before I started to get involved. You know, it's like when people say that, say, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just, just gonna be cool for 12 months. Do you know why? Because I'm a Christian and I'm like, God's put something in me and I just wanna serve my church. So I'm like, let me at something let me at anything i'm not giving you the customary cooling off period i just want to get involved and serve and you know what i think i think when god finds people that don't give the customary cooling off period and they're just passionate about his house he says i think i can do something with that person and i, I look out at this church and i see people everywhere i go i have these conversations with our leaders i'm like hey god's going to do something with that person you watch you watch what they do over the next 10 years you watch what they develop into you watch what they grow into see it really doesn't matter what you do just use what god's given you so we read their scripture before they're called the gifts of grace if you have the gift of prophecy well, you probably already know that you should be doing something because you had the foresight to see it, you know? But, but, you know, you already know. And you probably knew I was going to say this, all right? So, so if you got the gift of prophecy, that's awesome. But please don't be a cowboy or cowgirl and go out there on your own and be a lone ranger and think that because you got the gift of prophecy that that's what you do and that's all that you do. That's, I don't think that that's how that works. In fact, did you know that the, the spiritual gifts that were given, right? Do you know that they were given for the common good to bless the people that are around you? So you're actually supposed to use what God's given you to bless the people at church and bless the people outside of church too. But I'm just saying, if you've got it, use it. He said, if you've got the gift of service, could you, can you believe it? There's a gift actually called service, right? If you've got the gift of service, you're probably already doing what needs to be done, right? But here's what I've learned about the gift of service. You can learn that gift if you care enough. Because everyone can learn how to serve. Everyone can learn how to serve another person. Everyone can learn how to serve their, their, their church. That's a gift that can be learned. If you have the gift of teaching, you're great at explaining everything that needs to go on. If you've got the gift of exhortation, you're a great encourager. Awesome. You know, join a small group, start encouraging people to grow and develop. If you've got the gift of mercy, right, you want to hear everybody's story, we'll probably find you hugging people just everywhere. And if you've got the gift of leadership, you I don't know, you might be a little bit bossy. Maybe you just like to tell other people what to do. Could be a leadership gift. I, I don't know, but you might have it. But do you know what I learned about even the gift of leadership? Is that leaders aren't born, they're made. No one's born a leader, but they grew up 
and they learned things and they cared about other people and God has promoted them and now they're leading other people because God can entrust people to that person. If you want to grow in your gifts and, and, and development, get involved. Do you know what made the A-team so good? You wondered if it had any relevance. It does. Many of you questioned me. That's okay. The A-team, you know what made the A-team so good? They had a variety of skill sets. There's no superstar. It was all of them together, each one uniquely gifted. And there was this team that came together that did incredible things, impossible things, because what they did is they brought all of their skills together. Do you know we have a team just like that at Activate Church? And many of you are going to hear this for the first time, but we're calling that team the dream team. The dream team. And unlike the A team, it's not this very small elite group of a few people. In fact, at Activate Church, everybody that serves is on the dream team. Everyone that contributes is on the dream team because I feel it's us doing this together because there's not the church out there. It's the church in here. It's the church in you. It's the church in me. It's us together. We are the church. And because we are the church, we become the dream team. We dream together. We see great things. Oh, if you could see what I see, I tell you, God's going to do incredible things with this church. He's going to bless the community that, that, that we're in. We're, our best days are ahead of us. We're going to see incredible things that happen. The fullest altar calls are yet to come. I'm telling you right now, and you can help contribute if you join and be the dream team because I think that everyone, say everyone, everyone is called to be on the dream team. You know, in the Great Commission, here's what Jesus didn't say. All right, guys, now that you're Christians, we're going to get you out of here. We're going to evacuate earth. You've just given your heart to me. Awesome. Let's get you out immediately and get you straight into heaven so you don't have to stay down here any longer. Because if that was true, well, we can all walk into the forest and drink the Kool-Aid together. But good news, we're not going to because we've been left here for a reason. The Great Commission is not God's evacuation plan. Jesus said... In, his, in the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, when he was praying to God about his disciples, he said, I do not ask that you take these people out of the world. No, he doesn't want us out of the world. He wants us in the world. We have been saved by God, but to do something for Him, we're here for a reason. We're here for a purpose. You've been appointed to be a changer, not a consumer. You've been appointed to be a changer, not a customer. And you need to listen into this. This is very important. If you are not personally invested in changing things, you could be a consumer. You could be a customer. You could be the person telling the servers how they should do it 
or just watching how things are unfolding, that could be you, that could be what you're doing. But I don't think that's what God wants you to do. In 2017, our theme for the year is crossing over. And here's my hope for you, is that this year you cross over from where you are to where God wants you to be. Oh, that's our heart. That's why we themed the entire year, preached a series on it, and it will continue to feature throughout this year because I want to see great things happen in your life. And I want to see you move from where you are to where God wants you to be. And so what do I say? I say, follow your dream. But join a team. Sure. Pursue your passion. But still serve. Just because you pursue your passion doesn't mean that you're unable to contribute in some way. And there's a card that's on your seat right now. And how would it be if I was to say all of that to you and then not even give you an opportunity to respond? You can take that card. Someone give me a copy of it right now. It even says it on there. Look at that. Pursue your dream, but join the team. Because God's growing His church and the reality is is that we need more people to contribute. But not just to do anything, to do something that you're designed for, to do something that you're created for. You can help out. You can serve people. If you want to be involved in teaching, there's kids hospitality, AV and tech, there's worship. You can serve Sunday mornings. You can serve Sunday nights. Here's what we're asking you to do, at least to think about. We're going to take these up in in a moment. But you might be pursuing your passion right now. Awesome. I'm so glad that you're doing that. Would you consider adding an act of service to what you presently do so that our team's can be full and we can serve people and do that really well. On a Sunday morning, we have around 40 to 45 volunteers that make our services work. And at Sunday night, we pretty much run the exact same service. And please don't think for a minute that that service is much smaller than this one because if you haven't been there for a couple of months, you are missing out on what God's doing. But we run our Sunday nights with uh, about 20 to 25 people and we need a whole heap more to do it. And so maybe that's something that you want to contribute to. I know that we need more help in our kids team. They're always saying that to me. Wow, it would be great if we had more kids leaders. They they send out emailers and ask people, but I just thought I would ask you today as your pastor, is there a way that you can serve? It may not be your calling. That's okay. Can, can, Can you do it? That was what I did. I wouldn't ask you to do anything that I haven't done. I think I can do it, so I will do it. I I, I think I I can use the skills and the gifts that God's given me to serve our church. Man, we're unbelievably blessed in this church. We have around 62% of our church already serving. But I think we can make it greater. I think that we could have more people that contribute and more people that get involved. I I think that we can make it greater. Why? Because service develops potential. And right now as a church, we have great potential. 
And if we want to develop that potential, we can serve. But guess what? You get blessed out of it too. Because when you start serving, guess what happens to you? You get potential. And God starts developing your potential because there are things you'll learn when you're serving that you can't ever learn by just watching. And I think that God is not looking for the church to be out there, but He wants the church to be in here. And the more people that get a heart for His church, the more we can do, the further we can go, the more we can grow. We can go as far as our hearts will allow us to go, can't we? But I think somewhere it starts in here. And why would you do all of this? Well, so many reasons, right? Because let's say everything works out for you and you do cross over. I'm happy for you. It's it's great. But you're still not going to need a great church in the morning. And if along the way you lead someone to Jesus, you're going to need a great church to bring them to as well. And because... None of us are superstars. There'll be things that your friends find here that they can't find uniquely in you. So it kind of makes sense to me that we would develop the most outrageous, friendly, welcoming, servant-hearted church that we could possibly have so we see God's kingdom grow and we see God's people develop because guess what? You're not a customer. You are a faith-filled, life-speaking, fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and He wants to do something in your life. I say, let Him. Let Him. There's multiple ways you can help out today. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.